Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gower for the intro music. Enjoyed the show. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall podcast. I'd like to tell you how I got started. Um, I really had no idea on um, the beginnings of what had even where to start. And I stumbled upon Anchor by Spotify. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And I'll explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And um, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast automatically on listening platforms. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on other uh, platforms. And it, Anchor made it so simple. And um, it's all in one place. Everything you need to make a podcast, you can find in one place. And um, the amazing part is it's all free. So um, there is no uh, downside to any of this. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. And again, it's the Anchor app or go anchor.fm. And it's real easy to get started. And um, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall and uh, back to the show. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Not Your Mother's Radio is listener-funded. If you wish to contribute, our PayPal info is notyourmothersradio at gmail.com. That's notyourmothersradio at gmail.com. We would like to thank you in advance for any contributions. Elliot definitely is not your mother. Our special guests for this episode of Not Your Mother's Radio is Dave, Mark, and Carl from The Gold Needles. Simon thought he was too cool to hang with us. We won't forget that, Simon. Our topic is their new release. What's tomorrow ever done for you? The 60s blossoming out to flower power, hippies, psychedelia and transcendental meditation. Without the strife and social upheaval is what the album reminds us of. So let's join Elliot and the guys minus Simon but first the title track from the release. What's tomorrow ever done for you? I can be. 
Tomorrow, I think, is um, I think if if if, if we kind of knew radio like we knew it back in the day, it would be a hit. You know, I I think you have. Yeah. I, I definitely think that um, you know, there's definitely something. It's just great tune. It happens to be a great tune. And I read some of the um, reviews, and it, it kind of gives you props to the mamas and the papas. And, and the Hollies and all that stuff. Um, uh, call me crazy, but I heard the Rascals in there as well. Yeah, possibly so. I mean, I, 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 it's not anything I think that we consciously do. Right. I think it's all almost subliminal um, influences, and yeah. everybody brings their own sort of influences and reference points. Okay. And it it and you know contributes you know and it it it, it all comes together and and we end yeah. up with a song so you know so it, what's tomorrow ever done for you was almost a fully formed song that Simon brought to the band said so, I've written this song I want it to be a bit bouncy and he had this idea of it sounding a little bit like Hey Mr Spaceman by the Birds okay but then by the time it's finished and I've put my bit on and Dev's put his bit on and Carl's done his bit then it ends up getting, you know, little bits of stuff from all over the place. Yeah. And you end up with this incredibly sort of 
bouncy, happy, yeah. earworm type song. And yet it kind but of underneath, underneath it, you know, it's quite it's quite dark, the lyrics. Yeah. It, it kind of grabbed me in my uh, kind of heartstrings there for a bit. It, it kind of yeah. brought me back to a time when uh, things were better, things were a lot easier, and music was better. Mm. And it just kind of brought me back there. And um, I've been turning everybody on, all my friends. I said, listen, you got to get on, uh, check out this tune. It's a great tune. It's a great video. You know, the video is good, but the tune is just killer. It's just, a, it's a great, great song. And I'm, I'm going to ask you guys questions about um, some things later that I've written down here. But um, let's kind of start at the beginning. Uh, Gold Needles, where'd that name come from? Simon? I'll reply on behalf of Simon, our singer who's not here. Um, okay. It was all Simon's idea. We, he, he, he just, I think the idea of the, the name of the band arrived before the band arrived. Yeah. And he said to me, oh, I've got this, I've got this idea for a band called the Gold Needles. And I thought, oh, that's, that's unusual. Where's that from? I don't know. Where's that from? And he'd been doing some reading up research on something and he found that in, ancient Chinese medicine, folklore, mm -hmm. uh, that apparently they believe that if you insert 15 gold needles in various points in your body, you achieve immortality. Yeah. And he said, oh, I quite like the idea of that. I quite like this, you know, and, and, and it, it, it developed from there. And in fact, the first, the first song that was written for the band was a track called 15 Gold Needles, okay. which ironically we've played live every mm -hmm. time we've played yeah, we've still not recorded it. So it's one of those songs that if you see us live, you'll you'll hear this. Oh, oh, it must be a new song, and it isn't. It's the oldest song we do. We've just never got round to record. There's a, there's like a demo somewhere from about four or five years ago, but we've never recorded it as a a fully functioning song. And there's a couple of songs like that that we do in the live set that we've still not got round to recording. So hence the gold needles, um, and it was only quite a, a long time afterwards that we were talking about, there'd been a documentary on the TV about uh, Bay City Rollers. And I'd said to Sam, so did you realise that Bay City Rollers is the same, the same as the Gold Needles? And I said, and it's even got the same amount of letters, you know, Bay, the, City, Gold, Needles, Rollers. And he looked and smiled at me and said, it's not a coincidence, you know. So <laughs> it, actually, it actually thought long and hard about the name and where it came from. And he also liked the idea that there's nobody else with a name that is similar to that. So if you type into Google the gold needles, mm -hmm. it brings us up. You know, it's a bit like prefab sprout and things like that. It's, exactly. it's, it's an unusual sort of combination of words. So it's, uh, it, we're easily found. So that's okay, where cool. the name came from. Cool, cool, cool.
Facebook now if you guys um I'll send you copies of everything later though so you know just so you know where you all are so we're good to go um I'm going to I'm, I'm a little older than you guys I know I look damn good and it's and you don't believe <laughs> it, but I am a little older than you guys Elliot um, Elliot just tell Carl because this will really impress him huh? tell Carl where you were in when would it be 72 uh-huh. Madison Square Gardens, am I right? Bangladesh? Yeah, oh. come from oh. Bangladesh. Yeah, yeah well, I'll, 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 I'll even set the Wayback Machine for you a little deeper than that. 1970, June 1st, Fillmore East. Yeah. John Lennon with Frank Zappa, I caught that show. Wow. And I saw, <laughs> I saw, I saw John Lennon play at the one-to-one show. He did the benefits for the um um there was a children's institution for kids with learning disabilities called willowbrook and they found out that the kids were being abused there was just a nightmare and uh lennon did a a show with elephant's memory as his backup band um stevie wonder was an opening act roberta flack and shanana so I, I was happy. I, was, I caught those shows, and I caught um, um, uh, the Harrison at the um, Nassau Coliseum. 
uh, uh, I guess that was late seventies. That whole Billy Preston thing when his voice yeah. kept cracking, a lot of a lot of uh, cocaine issues at that time. I was running a club in New, in New York, and we were have, we were lucky enough to get tickets through the um, through the, the radio station that uh, was sponsoring us. So yeah, I was lucky enough to see the Beatles separate. Never got to see them together. You know, I mean, obviously Ringo played at Bangladesh. Uh, you know, yeah. I, you know, I've seen McCartney play a handful of times. That kind of thing. I used to run stadiums and arenas here, and so yeah, we did a lot of McCartney shows. Uh, something else I want to talk to you guys about. I know you guys have to be Beatles fans. You know, I, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't have to ask. We're going to get into that later, but um, I've been having fights with people. I kind of like the new Ringo album better than the new McCartney album. Well, I, I've not heard the new Ringo album. Uh-huh. The, the McCartney album was strange because it's almost, to me, it feels a bit like the Emperor's New Clothes. Yeah. That you, can't, you can't disrespect it. No. And I've listened to it a few times, uh-huh. and it's all right, but it, to me it just sounds like a bloke noodling a bit in the studio. I you know, some of the songs are too long, they don't really go anywhere, yeah. and it's a bit of a jam over two chords, a yeah. lot of the tracks. Yep, yep, yep. I think what, what I thought was, I think his voice was a little better than he'd been used to lately, and that's probably to do with the, the layoff, you know, from the touring and yeah. everything. Well, his voice is gone, even live now. Oh. Even live, live yeah. yeah, but it certainly yeah. seems to have picked up a little on uh, on McCartney three. But uh, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, he um, he definitely uh, you know definitely a lot of talent there. But let's go through your album. So what's tomorrow ever done? Great tune, great opening track, great single. Um, it's just uh, you know, it's it's great. You have a couple of great covers on this album too. Speaking of Harrison, you guys, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I love the stuff you did on the Lennon album. I don't know if you guys know, well, Mark knows, but um, I kind of helped Jim roll it out here in the state. This happened once before When I came through your door No reply They said it wasn't you But I saw you peek through Your window Man 
you know, it, it, it's just a natural album. So, so some of the other stuff, tell me about some of the other titles on this stuff. You guys did um, the Harrison tune. You did the uh, Clark uh, Nash and Hicks piece, which. Uh, well, that was one of Murphy's favorite tracks. And he actually contacted yeah. us and said, we, would we do a version of it? Um, it wasn't a song that I knew too well personally, but. Uh, you know, again, I think we did a good job with it. Yeah, I think so too. It wasn't one of the Holly's bigger hits over here, was it? So, you know, I've got to check that out a bit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you guys worked very fast on this album. Yeah, well, we it, we had to through necessity. I mean, the um, the the Holly's cover, as Dave said, it wasn't a, it wasn't a song that we were particularly familiar with. I think Simon knew it, but the rest of us didn't know it that well. And I think that helped us a little bit because we purposefully didn't listen to the Holly's version or the Searchers version. Uh-huh. So it meant that we basically just followed Simon and we put our gold needles, twist our imprint on it, if you like. So that seems to work really well. The The George Harrison cover came about because the two tracks on the Lennon album had been, had been um, because they'd been received so well. Right. And again, quite a lot of airplay, particularly in the States. Marty came back and said, have you got any other Beatles songs that you've recorded? And at that oh. time we hadn't. And he said, if you could record another killer track, I think it would work really well on the album. Yeah. And I think it was the last track that we ended up recording. And we, we had to work really, really quickly. Because as you know, we're back in full lockdown back in the UK. So the yeah. times we've got together, it's literally been, right, we can grab a couple of hours. We get the very basic track down and then we just build everything else up afterwards separately um and if i needed someone was one of those tracks and we we pulled it out of the bag because it was a track that we all knew we all liked it we um you know we like the flavor of it we like the idea that it's a bit uh it's got a bit of an indian influence there's a bit of a drone going on with it there's a bit of a raga feel to it and we just thought we could do a really good interesting version we didn't want to just do a copycat version sure so dave could have easily just played a lot of jangle guitar on, over it which you know most people that have covered that track have done mm. dave put a lot of different sort of guitars on it i don't know whether you want to speak about that dave sure um, uh, yeah i just as mark said i wanted to get away from the um the, the basic copy the the rickenbacker um type jangle sound that is on the original um and as mike said we felt it had a an indian feel to it so i, I tried to get sitar like guitar sounds um for the for the riff that flows throughout the song uh, i think it worked really well and the peacocks it was difficult to get hold of wasn't he but you know we got him in the end yeah so um I, I have it going back to the 60s, and it all starts with the Beatles somewhere, you know? And um, mm-hmm. so so what I'd like to ask people, you know, people who listen to the stuff we listen to is, um, what Beatle album did it for you guys? Which is the ones that you... I have my own, and I have it written down. Mark, we might have discussed this previously. I always ask everybody, the Beatle album you go to and the solo Beatle album you go to. Well, for me, I mean, that's the sort of question where ask me tomorrow, you may get a different answer. Definitely. You know? Uh, but I, I guess um, Revolver. Me too. Um, close, close second, Abbey Road. Okay. Particularly side two of Abbey Road, where you just do that, relax, you know? Um, I mean, 
Revolver is just a game changer. Revolver. As as I always consider Revolver being the album that um, turned them into a boys band, into a musical powerhouse. Yeah. It gave, yeah, I think, it gave, I think yeah. it gave the Beatles and just about every other band that followed them permission to experiment. That was the album that said, you know what, you don't have to do. Uh, Very much so, yeah. You know, you, you don't yeah. have to. You know, you don't. It does, they, the songs don't have to be pretty. They don't have to be love songs. They could be anything you want them to be. Uh, a song like "Tomorrow Never Knows" was like the uh, precursor to bands like Tangerine Dream and Brian Eno. And, um, you know. Solo album. How, how, how? Which solo solo album do you go to? That's a difficult one. No, really, it's, difficult. it's really not. You see, if I've got the time, I'll, I'll, I'll sit down. I'll listen to All Things Must Pass all That's the way mine. through. All Things Must Pass. Yeah, I think all yeah. things must pass. Uh, well, I'll stick, with, I'll stick with all things must pass then. Yeah. I, that's what yeah. that's my revolver, revolver and all things must pass. I think um, Harrison was sitting on a, a powder keg of music for four or five years that Lennon and McCartney Absolutely. 
Lennon and McCartney, yeah. you know, obviously hogged the spot. Yeah. And he just came out. It was like shaking his hand and boom, uh, yeah. it just exploded. And yeah. um, I mean, just look at the band that came from All Things Must Pass. You know, I spoke to Bobby Whitlock. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. You know, I'm pretty friendly with Bobby, but the Stones took half that band. Derek and the yeah. Dominoes took the other half of that band. Cocker took a piece of that band. Um, nobody in that band was left untouched. And uh, right, yeah. Bobby yeah. told me a story that um, while they were doing that album, um, Dragger came in and um, he started, uh, um, he said to Bobby, give me a gospel.
Jaguar Jaguar walked in and put that together. Mm. He said it was just, you know, and he said the one thing that bothered him when he did the Derek and the Dominoes album later on was that um, Dwayne Allman got involved. He said Dwayne never should have been on that album. Eric was brilliant without him. And um, he said um, he never forgave Eric Clapton for selling out after that album. He said no, Eric had no right doing reggae music. He had no right doing Wonderful Tonight. He had no right doing that stuff. That wasn't Eric. And, um, you know, but then all, all things must pass. That was, you know, Dave Mason was there. Um, Ginger Baker yeah. was there. Just, you know. Yeah, so that's yeah, my close. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. with the album, with All Things Must Pass, yeah, I, I, I saw an interview with Ringo once because uh-huh. there were so many, there'd be like three bass players and there'd be yeah. like three drummers. And, and Ringo was asked, did you play on, I think it was What Is Life? And he said, I don't know, I might have done. And there were so many fabulous musicians. Yeah. They couldn't even remember what tracks they played on, what tracks they hadn't played on. Yep, yep, yep. But for me, that's that's the biggest flaw of the album. I think it's I think it's too long and I think and I've always thought it and I'd be shot down, I know. I just think the production lets it down. I think the production maybe it's because it's to me it just sounds really dated, the production. And I know when before George died he tried to remix some of it. Yes. And I preferred that where he just stripped it yes. back a little bit and took a little bit of the reverb away from it. Because well, I just think it was just he, I think George said, you know, he's tried to rescue it from the wall of sound. Yeah, and well, I've heard some of the demos, some of the acoustic demos of, you know, isn't it a pity and all things must pass and stuff like that. I think they're just phenomenally beautiful songs. And I think they're just, I think this idea that they threw everything at it, yeah. in some respects, great songs that they still are, if they just over, over-egged the pudding a little bit for me. That's the Spectre, you know. That's the Spectre. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, Spectre, yeah. Went on, Spectre went on to produce Derek and the Dominoes, and they fired yeah. him. They fired him from that project. Yeah. And they brought in, a, what's his name, from uh, um, Florida, uh, Tom Dowd. Yeah. They brought Dowd in, you know, the guy who did Ray Charles and Aretha and that stuff, and he's the guy who wound up engineering that. But, yeah, they got rid of Spectre. But um, they're redoing that album again now. It's being peeled away again. Yeah, because it's obviously it's 50... Yeah. It's over fifty years now, isn't it? Since it was since it was released. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think yeah. his son Danny is quite involved in all of that. In fact, he's resurrected the Dark Horse label imprint. Yeah. Um, and you know, and they started to release some some stuff on that as well. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's my go-to solo album. I don't think any of the Beatles touched that one, other than um, and and I've I have another theory that the further away they got from '69. The less talent was, they kind of lost some of the magic as they progressed. Yeah, absolutely. There were bits and bits and pieces of yeah. sparkle coming yeah. in and out. Yeah, but the magic was gone. I mean, that 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 group was. You, you're also you're also getting one really wow track on whoever it may be, whether it was Paul or right. George. Um, um, but yeah, overall, yeah, it did just sort of, you know, yeah. The further not nosedived. Right. The further you went away well, from '69, the further the magic. Yeah, I think what what you have though is that if you think about a Beatles album, if a Beatles album say got twelve tracks on it, right, there might be four John, four Paul, three right. George, yeah. one other. Yeah. Suddenly, so they were contributing maybe four tracks to an album. Suddenly, they were having to contribute twelve tracks to an album. So they were having to write three times as much as they'd done before. Sure. So naturally, your your quality isn't going to unless you're an absolute genius. 
which they all were, mm -hmm. but naturally your quality is going to suffer as a result. So as Carl said, you can listen to an album and there'll be three or four tracks that you just think, wow, they are amazing. There'll be other tracks on the album that you think, nah, yeah, okay, yeah, I can tell it's a bit, bit, a bit of a filler there. And I think you're right, the further you get away from the end of the Beatles, I mean, it's a, it's a great, great little party thing to do, isn't it, when you discuss, right, if the Beatles had stayed together and released one more album, mm -hmm. what would be on it? And we'd all argue about different tracks. Yeah. But if that album came out, it would be a phenomenal album. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, even when you try and sequence it yourself, because it's all been recorded in different studios with different producers, right. it's got, you know, the tracks feel as if they've all been done individually. It doesn't feel like a, a cohesive Beatles album, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you asked the question well, about the, the, my, the white, my favourite. The White, album, favorite didn't, the white album. album didn't feel like yeah. a cohesive album either, did it? Yeah, that's, that's true. And I, I suppose you don't realise with the White Album that it was quite, you get so used to listening to it that it's when they remastered it and re-released it uh, for the anniversary in what 2018 mm -hmm. it was almost like a layer of dust had been blown off it yeah. and suddenly you could start to hear some of the things that had sort of been buried in the mix for years yeah. and it gave it a little bit more life but mm -hmm. you're right you know you've got the white album you can have why don't we do it in the road? And then we, you'll have I Will, you know, completely, yeah. massively Maxwell, different songs, but on the Maxwell, same side of the album. Maxwell Silverhammer, what the heck? Well, that didn't belong in anybody's album. <laughs> 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 I mean, really. It's my own personal favorite. Yeah, yeah. Where, where the heck did that one come from? But um, yeah, but, but that's what happens. But you guys, um, it's funny, I put the CD in, uh, yesterday, I, I I got my CD copy yesterday, and um, you know I knew uh, you know I, I knew the opening track, but I mean you hear those guitars jangling in the beginning, and you say, "Wow, I know where this thing's going, and it's going to be a damn good ride." And you really have to, um, you know, you you got to give yourselves props for that one. It's a great album; it happens to be a brilliant album. And um, it's been a strange album to record because a lot of the tracks, as I say, we we just had to get the basics down: some vocals, a ghost track from Simon. Sure. Uh, and and bass from Carl, and then I would pretty much bring it back home to the home studio and put all the guitars on. It was a bit of a face of concrete to the rest of the band as to, as to what went on guitar wise. Um, but I think it seemed to work. We we, yeah. we have a gold needles sound, I think, which you do.
party down <laughs> that's probably asked that's a question that's probably asked every you know every year every yeah, yeah. yeah but it goes somewhere I'll make it easier who are you guys listening to 
It's not easier either. I already was listening to anything after about 1995. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah I, I'm a, I'm a, an expert on modern music so long as it's not beyond about 1985. But saying that, no, I do. I listen to quite a lot of modern music now, but it tends to be. I've, I've certainly got a. a, a uh, a style of music that I like, so mm. I will listen to stuff like um, just a few names: Millie Manners and the Shut Up, Duncan Reed and the Big Heads, Candy Operas. I tend to listen to bands that aren't particularly well known, okay. but I like their style of music, so I listen to a lot of that sort of stuff. Um, but I tend to go back to lots of stuff from the past, lots of sixty stuff. I always, I'm always listening to the Beatles, I'm always listening to the Stones, and then. I was a big fan of 70s New Wave, so yeah. late 70s, early 80s, my my go-to type um, records from the record collection. That's what I tend to listen to a lot. I heard Bill Wyman. Uh, Sorry, I, yeah, I was just thinking, um, you know, um, my sort of go-to is the Art the Beatles or the Birds. There are a couple of bands in particular who are huge over here. Uh, I don't think they really cut the mustard in the States, but that's Squeeze and the Jam. And I was just thinking, well, that's 40 years ago. And and in my mind, it, it's, well, it's still fresh, you know. So, yep, Ian, you Dur- Ian Dury. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, you know who I speak to a lot, Philip Rambo. Do you remember Phil Rambo? Phil Rambo yes. had a band called the Winkies. Remember the Winkies? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, was, yeah he, he, he went to work for um, Eno. He, he toured with Eno for like three or four shows, and then Eno had a collapsed lung and had to give up his show. But Rambo wrote some stuff for Kirsty McCall, and yeah. um, he had a great tune called Fallen back in the day.
shooting gallery. A great album. Phil, I talked to Phil a lot. He's still out there. Um, well, he was he was on the last Transatlantic yes, 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 call yes, yes. because he he was mentioning that he'd worked with Mick Ronson, and then we got chatting because obviously Mick Ronson's from Hull, and Dave right, is right. a huge Mick Ronson fan. Yeah. And it turns out he'd been in the uh, Holy Holy band. Yep, yeah, with um, um, when they with first the, started out. Yes, I, I know. Um, um, I'm pretty friendly with uh, Visconti's daughter. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. All right. Morgan. Uh, Jessica Morgan. Her mom is Mary Hopkins. Mary Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But his, the mom is Mary Hopkins and the dad is Tony Visconti. Tony, yeah. that's not a tough, <laughs> a tough parody. Yeah. yeah. But she's in Holly, uh, she's in Holy Holy. And um, well, yeah, Phil was there for a bit. And he said they didn't have room on the stage for him. <laughs> that's the story he told, wasn't it? Where the guitarist had said to him, um, yeah. he's standing in my way, I can't do my guitar, I can't do my shapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said, well, what do you want me to do about it? He said, well, I'd like you to leave. So he yeah. said, that was it, I was out yeah. the band. He said, I left, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what I love, I love these stories because, um, you know, these are the guys that kind of started it all. This, In fact, Ronson's daughter and sister are in that band. Yeah, Maddie. Yeah. Lisa is it? Lisa. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're in Holy Holy now with Jessica and Tony and Hain. But um, yeah, so uh, guys, I'd love to have you. We're doing another. Um, we do a transatlantic thing every couple of weeks, once a month. It's coming up the twenty second, I think, Monday, the last Monday of the month. I'm going to send everybody an invite if you can make it. Hop on, it's fun. There's no agenda. We just full, you know. Uh, um, Zoot money's on the sh- Zoot money's on every week. Well, Zoop told that great Jimi Hendrix story, um, I think last but one, where he said that um, uh, Chaz Chandler had rung him and said, I've, I've brought this new guitarist over from the States. Yeah. Um, can he, have you got a guitar he can have? So he said, yeah, bring him round. So Chaz Chandler turns up with this unknown guy from the States and he introduced him. Uh, Zoop, this is, uh, this is Jimi Hendrix. Uh, he's going to do some shows in the UK. Can he borrow a guitar? And Zoot Money gave him this guitar, and Zoot said, "Oh, I can know that it was actually, you know, Jimi Hendrix became Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, so his first about... guitar he had was was from Zoot Money." And did uh, John Oldman tell you the story of how he played sax with Jimmy on bass and Peter Green on lead guitar? Oh, no, <laughs> I, honestly, honestly, guys, I, I've been in a couple of these meetings, and I just sit there and like your jaws on the floor. There's people are telling these stories, yep. and there's John, and he's surrounded by gold discs. There's gold, and he'll say, 
oh yeah, I was doing some orchestration on the latest Bond movie, and you're like, yes. what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. just, it's just all really matter of fact. Oh yeah, yeah. And we did. Um, oh, and it's sort of like Van Van Morrison. Yeah, that old Devil Call of Alison Moyer. Yeah, I did the orchestration on that, and it's just all every big hit single that you can think of with an yes. orchestra on. And he's done he, it. Then he did all the he. Well, you guys may really dig him because he did all of the um, arranging for the Ruddles. Yeah, that's right. He did. <laughs> yeah, he did all the arranging for the Ruddles, and uh, John and John has written over four thousand TV commercials. And um, <laughs> you, you talk to this guy, and you think you know, just he, like he fell out of bed, and it happened, right? Right, Mark. Yeah. It's like yeah, he, absolutely. His 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 uncles were the um, music arrangers for the Marx Brothers, for Judy Garland, Frank Sinatra. And uh, Nat King Cole, amongst others. This is yeah. Simon Phillips is his cousin, the drummer. Yeah, yeah. Simon's his cousin. So I'm telling you, it's DNA. You know, I, I you know, oh, yeah. I, I have no, I have no talent because of my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I have no parents because of my talent. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, so, but, but yeah. So, guys, get on. You'll, you'll, you'll hear some great stories. I mean, you'll sit there, just wow. And um, these guys are on every month with me. And, um, you know, I, I met John a few months ago, you know, maybe six, seven months ago. And we talk, you know, once or twice a week at the nicest guy in the world. And, and then you look at the wall behind him. Yeah. And I, and I always take shots at him. I always ask him, where'd you get that screensaver? I'm like, <laughs> everyone, like, just like it. And it's like, you know, 400 gold albums, you know, whatever it is. But, I, but you know something, um. <laughs> Dave, I kind of like yours too. Those are some nice guitars. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Dave's wife doesn't know he's got those. I know. <laughs> they, they, they never do. They never do. I keep buying uh, keyboards and I show this to my wife. <laughs> my harmonica, you know, it's just, you know, yeah. you, you show them the smallest thing and they don't yell at you as much. Um, actually, Lee, Lee Oscar sent me this one. This is an actual Lee Oscar. Um, yeah. You, you guys know Lee from War? Oh, no, the band War, but I don't yeah. know Lee. Yeah, well, that's Lee. And, you know, this is yeah. a Lee Oscar signed uh, a harmonica. Lee's the, oh, Lee's, the, Lee's the harmonica player in War. Um, you know, he's with Eric Burden. He, that was Eric's band. We've, we've never been short of material. So there's, we did, in the end, we recorded more than we needed for the album and we, we paired it back to the to the 12 tracks. So with other, with other tracks that, um, could possibly make the next album there's other tracks like i mentioned 15 gold needles and another track called super nature that we've played live practically every show we've ever done and still not recorded so they may well go on the next album um who knows you know that well, do you guys did only last week sent a little demo out and said oh, i've got this new idea and immediately everybody said oh yeah i can hear this and we could do that with it and you know, so th things sort of develop organically, I suppose. Well, I, I got an idea. I'll, I'll get to it later. Um, in fact, um... Let me tell you about the business. Let me tell you about my regrets. Let me tell you about loneliness Let me tell you about being in debt Let me tell you about wasted moments Let me tell you about the departed 
Let me tell you about the road to love Let me tell you about the broken hearted This is the story of my life This is the story of my life Let me tell you about emptiness When you feel that nothing's going right Let me tell you about cruelty Tell you about all the worry When you find it so hard to breathe You've lost someone so close to you And it feels impossible to breathe This is the story of my life This is the story of my life did no reply for the Lennon album. Yeah. Um, Beatles for Sale isn't my favourite Beatles oh, album, yeah. but there's some great songs on it. Yeah. And we had this sort of idea, maybe we could do an EP and call it Needles for Sale and yeah. pick off four tracks from and do like a, like like the Beatles would have done back in 65, yeah. 64, 65. Yeah. And so we had that as a bit of an idea. And we've, we've had other ideas as well. I mean, we, we throw things about and Every now and again, somebody will go, do you know what? There's something in there. You know, I suggested the other week we did we did Sloop John B in the style of the Ramones. Yeah. And I'm thinking, no, nobody... And then Carl went, oh, actually, just actually, maybe, yeah, you could. So th- there's lots and lots of things. Interestingly enough, you mentioned Graham Parker and the Rumour a couple of times. The track on the album, Dead Man's Hand, which Dave wrote, um, is... Uh, a lot of reviewers have said, "Oh, it's got like a like a bluesy feel, a bit of a Peter Green type feel to it." You know, it's a bit, you know, a bit laid back. And, and I, I felt while we were recording it that it sounded a bit like Graham Parker and the Rumour. Now, for anybody else, they're probably saying, "Oh, well, I don't hear that," but in my head, that was that was what I was hearing on that particular track. Sure. And it, and it's funny people pick out different things from you know from different areas. Yeah, because when I came up with a riff, I was originally thinking early Dire Straits for you, which is yeah. what I yeah. Yeah. It, it developed from there. 
dire straits. Um... What's the deal with Simon? He's too good to uh, do a Zoom thing with us. <laughs> He's not very good with technology. You know what? You're, you're laughing at that. I talk to these geniuses with synthesizers and stuff who can't turn on a Zoom thing. Yeah. You know? Maybe, yeah. I mean, he didn't have a mobile phone for years, or a cell phone, as you call them. He didn't have one for years and years. Yeah. I mean, these guys could, uh, you know, make a MIDI, uh, you know, do the dishes at the end of the day. Yeah, I can't turn on the Zoom camera. <laughs> you know, it's I'm talking about guys like Patrick Gleason and you know, real, you know, these guys are real tech guys. They have no idea. 
you know, just no idea. Um, so I said to him, I said, it's, it's a Zoom call and he went, oh, oh I'll, I'll have to read up on it. <laughs> you, know what, you know what the thing with Zoom is, though? I could send you guys, I could send him a phone number. He doesn't have to even do the camera. He just has yeah. to dial in the number and, and uh, you know, click on too. So, you know, we can make it easy next time it happens, you know. Um, music is great. So what, what I was amazed with you guys is you did a lot of your work. I, I know about this album, but on the Lennon piece, Outdoors. We did, and again, that was because of the uh, the lockdown. The restrictions were, was that we we couldn't meet indoors. We were restricted to, um, you know, how many people you could have in a in a in a room, and the only way that we could actually meet was, and again, we had to socially distance, but we we did it outside. So we did the two Lennon tracks like that, and we did some other tracks for the new album, um, where we literally recorded them, where we checked on the weather. And we were like, literally, right, it's going to be a nice day. Yeah. Let's all get together whilst we can. And we would literally, and we would, we would work incredibly quickly and get, and get the, the basics of two tracks down just whilst we could. And then we would build the rest of the track up around it afterwards. But yeah. the key was to get, it was to get a guide vocal down, the bass down, a rhythm guitar down. And then literally Dave would put all the guitars down. Afterwards, I'd put the keyboards down. And then because we'd done it to a click track, we would then get the, the drummer to drum drum on it afterwards, and then we'd do all the mixing and mastering, you know, after the uh, after the event. So it was it was a challenge, but you you find ways of of doing it, don't you? Sure, you do. And yeah, you gave it some urgency, didn't it? You know, there's no room for laziness and waffling. You just got in, did it, concentrated. Yeah. At least that's that's my way. To you might not have done, but you know, I thought, yeah, we've got to do it now. Let's do it. You uh-huh. know, we're not got. God knows how many hours we play about with. This is the north of England. It's going to rain any second now. So, you know, that was it. No, I, I, saw, I saw a new piece of equipment that a friend, the friends of mine are using back east. It looks like a um, hub. And you guys can all plug in your heads, your headsets. And um, you actually plug the instruments into the same piece of equipment. So there's no amplification. There's nothing. And it all goes through your headset and it's recording, you know, it actually does the recording and everything right there. So you, you hook that up with a, you know, electronic drum kit or whatever, and, and you're good to go. These guys found a way to play two or three nights a week, social distancing. You know, they have 10 foot cords, whatever. So they were standing away from each other. And um, I'm going to get the name of this piece of, a, I'll get a, I'll get a name. I forgot. I forgot who makes it, but it, it's a pretty cool hub system, and it, it'd be great to do recordings on. And yeah. they're sending me music, you know, they're sending me samples of stuff that they're doing. Stuff sounds incredible, and there's no amplification. Um, they play in the middle of the night outside, you know, and they're not waking up the neighbors. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. that kind of thing. So, you know, it, it's working out great for them. We'll find out what it's called. Maybe you guys could look into it. Uh, so um, how long did it take you guys to do this album? How long? What was the duration? How long did it take to put together this album? The um, or what's tomorrow? What was the length of? How long, Dave? How long do you reckon? It's hard to say, isn't it? Because it's, I don't know. I wouldn't like to guess. Um, well, well, if you think about the order we did, we did we did Billy Liar, didn't we? And we did Have You Ever Loved Somebody? They were the first two tracks, and we did them. We they were finished about this time last year. And then I think the rest of it has come together since then. And mm. we had we had bits of songs that were partially finished, 
see each other so we were we, like I said we were grabbing opportunities to, to finish bits off so it then took us the best part of another I don't know probably eight nine months to pull the rest of it together okay I think we had um, come to the days was in the bag wasn't it I think before lockdown yeah and and some uh, um, pressure can't remember the full time no. I get the pressure yeah we, we had sort of like good demos of some of the tracks, but to say when when lockdown came, it just it focused us into thinking right. We need to we need to get this finished one way or another. We need to get it finished. And you use technology, you use every everything at your disposal to do it. Right, 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 right. Um, so no drummer, huh? Smart move. <laughs> <laughs> Drummers are trouble. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. It was because literally we couldn't go into the studio, so we recorded everything to click track which meant that we were uh we were in in uh in time so yeah, yeah. we know we know a guy who's a, a great session drummer who's got his own studio mm-hmm. and he he was really good because he put his own feel on the songs so he'd say well i'm i'm feeling this and say right do what you think feels right and if yeah. we don't like it we'll tell you and i don't think there was anything we went back to him on and said oh we're not quite sure about that he would come up with ideas and he would send us like a little demo and say what do you think was that yeah love it right Good. I'll drum it properly now then. Um, and he did a great job. He did a, a, a cracking job on the album for us. Wow, really? And Kurt as well. 
Um, yeah, Kurt, Kurt obviously helped out. He drummed on Have You Ever Loved Somebody? Yeah. And he did he did backing vocal. He did some extra vocals on Susie's Susie. 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 Yeah. Um, did the... He... Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's Breakfast Biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. He remixed, he remixed Dead Man's Hand, didn't he? And yeah. he mastered the whole album. She's looking hot She's everything That you are not Cause Susie is sorted Susie is sorted Susie is sorted But she doesn't care She loves the rain. She loves the sun. She is the cup. I should have won. Cause Susie is sorted. Susie is sorted. Susie is sorted. But she doesn't care. Yeah, that was really, really handy for 
photos as well. Really useful. Yeah, and um, it's a beautiful album. But um, once this COVID thing is under control, any any club dates? Anything you're thinking of doing? We've got we've got absolutely nothing in the diary. No, no. That's anything you're purpose. thinking of? Would, would yeah. you go out? Would you go out and do anything or? I think, it, but, I think it all depends on how things open up. And, assuming you know, we're back to normal, as soon as, soon as they say we, you can go out, would you go? Do you guys do any club dates? Did, did you do them before the uh, COVID hit and all that stuff? Yeah, we had. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, we did quite a few, didn't we? And I'm sure if and when touch wood, things do get back to normal, um, we'll be we out there touting for business again. Sure. Um, right now. I mean, it's just the situation where you just literally can't think. Well, no. I'm going to it's 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 really really bad at the moment, and they're they're clamping down. I know. The last the last lockdown, we were able to able to, so Matt was saying, sort of do some social distancing recording in gardens and stuff. Um, but at the moment, uh, they're even clamping down on just travelling for something that's unnecessary. And with the best will in the world, if I'm sort of caught halfway down the road and lace in the back and say, I'm just off to record now, the local police would not be too uh, too happy, I don't think. No, no, I know. I went to the dentist. I went to the dentist this morning and um, I broke a tooth and I had to go to the dentist. And um, my wife was driving and I said to her, Slide, slow down. What's this machine called that I'm sitting in? You know, it was like the genie boss in the car. I think, you know, it was like, my God, what do, what do you call this thing? And it was like the first time I've been out in, in almost a year. And um, uh, you, you kind of look around you and it's ghost town. Nobody's out. Nobody's out. It's, it's like a science fiction movie. Well, enough, I broke a tooth the day after lockdown. And yeah. Because it doesn't hurt. That's an emergency. So I've been walking around looking like a village simpleton for Simpsons. Yeah, I looked like Granny Clampett. I had to get it fixed. <laughs> and you know what? We, we, we're thrown into the Biden era now. And believe me, I'm, I'm as liberal as can be. I'm super, super liberal. In fact, um, I own one of those Jewish laser beams that they're shooting from. Did you hear about that one? Yeah, yeah, I have one of those. In fact, that's going to be the name of my new band, the Jewish Laser Beans from It's a great name, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You'll go far with that. Yeah, you will. There must be a thousand garage bands now with that name. But um, yeah, I happen to have one because I'm lucky enough to be part of a tribe. And um, it's funny, last, last Hanukkah, we only had enough laser juice for three days, but we made it last for eight. So, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's a crazy world. It's it's really it, it, you couldn't make this stuff up. You just couldn't make it up. It, it's like a shit show to the tenth degree here. And um, oh, absolutely. Have you ever seen that film um, Contagion? No. We watched, yeah, 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 we yeah, watched it. 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 was like watching a documentary. Yes, it was yes, like yes, if I you haven't see seen it. it, watch it. It's like this is I unbelievable. Did. And it came out probably 10 or 11 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A friend of mine um, um, uh, recommended it highly. Well, um, <laughs> what's it like working with Gem Records? I knew Gem when they were importers back in the old days. Gem what's Records. it like? It's, it's great. Matty is in- incredibly encouraging all the yeah. time. He's given us some great I- ideas, some great mm-hmm. advice. Yeah. 
whatever he promises, he sees through. So he's uh, he's a he's a real good guy to work with, and he's good introduced label. us to some really other really good other guys as well. So you know the likes of particularly Kurt from the Gripweeds, but we we wouldn't have known these people before, and Jonathan Pushka and the Midnight Callers, whose right. album came out back in the last year, which was my favourite album of 2020. I thought the Midnight Callers album was just. Superb, it's great, great album. So he's introduced us to people we wouldn't have known before, and you know, through through Marty and Maureen, we get to get to meet people like yourself, and then you know, through that, other people. So it's been it's been great. It can't all be roses. No, I know. You you have to take the rough with the smooth. Yeah, yeah, you take the rough with the smooth. Yeah, Maureen's great, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. She, she sets up stuff for us. She she reminds us it's happening, and then she posts it, and then we'll get something else. So, do you fancy doing this, guys? And I've got this review, and yeah, she she works really, really hard for us, yeah, and um, you know, champions us uh, uh, every opportunity, which is yeah. great. Yeah, she. I know. Uh, Gem Gem started out as an import label here. They would bring stuff in from the UK back in yeah. the day, you know, vinyl, original mm. run of vinyl. And um, I picked up, you know, bands like Sparks. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, uh, the, the, you know, Tangerine Dream, uh, Eno, all that yeah. stuff was, you know, Marty was bringing in. I think his first big thing was a cheap trick at Budokan. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah. and again, with Marty, he's, he's again, he's got tons and tons of stories. So yeah. I can just throw something into an email. And he'll come back and he'll say, oh, yeah, Rachel, sweet, yeah. Um, she stayed in our flat in London when she was trying to make it in the UK in 1980 or whenever it was. And, and then he'll, he'll mention uh, Jake Riviera. And then he'll say, oh, don't get me started on Jake Riviera, yeah, yeah. which for me is like, oh, I need to like probably find out what's <laughs> happening. Yeah. Why, Marty? What, have you had a, a bit of a fallout? And, he, well, I shouldn't, and then he'll, he'll tell me some sort of story yeah, about I spoke how, to Dave. Uh, I spoke to Dave about Jake. Dave Robinson? Yeah. Oh man, Jake was a nut. He was nuts. Yeah, yeah, he was a pretty crazy guy. And um, you know, there was that whole split with with uh, who did he take? Costello, Low. He took yeah, Low, Costello. And, they were the two big ones. Yeah, 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 yep. And uh, you know, Dave Robinson's another great guy. If you guys don't know Dave, I can hook you up with Dave. Yeah, he I mean, the great. He's he's a. I, I've only ever seen him on the TV, but he's a he's a sort of legend in in yeah. British music. You know, he was a co-founder of of Stiff Records. Yep. And then Marty will say, "Oh yes, yeah, Stiff Records. Yeah, we were uh, we were instrumental in trying to break Stiff Records in the States." <laughs> oh really? And then he'll, oh, here's a photograph. Oh no, this is a photograph. He'll say, "Oh no, that's not Stiff Records. That's me with um, um, Richard Branson when we were trying to launch Virgin in the States." Virgin, yeah, Virgin. <laughs> There's me oh. on the left. I'm a bit worse, worse for wear. So, yeah. I, I, you know, oh, and, and he just throws in these stories. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So, and, and it's amazing how your guys are so much more colorful than ours. You know, <laughs> definitely better stories. You know, you guys had. I think it's records. the eccentricity of the British. It could be. But, you know, again, yeah. stiff, yeah. stiff records. Stiff records never would have made it here. You mm. had to have that, you know, that whole English kind of mindset that to make it work. yeah and um you know we have our own labels here you know stacks you know we had stacks or atlantic you know we had some big labels yeah. with a um kind of like a homegrown label i mean these were homegrown too but just a, a label that um relied on everybody so much into one big family you can never yeah mistakes we're too selfish here <laughs> 
You know, well, Nick Lowe was like the house producer. So they yes. had this little studio somewhere and yes. literally, and they called him Basher. He was like, right, you go in. And he just bashed them down. And he's like, don't worry, I'll sort it. Yep. You know, and the Dam's first album recorded in a couple of days and then Graham Park and The Room were exactly the same, in during the blockheads. They were just, just churning stuff and then out. He, then he'd write a two and a two for you as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he'd record his own album and, yeah. you know... Um, uh... Ian told Ian told me a story. Ian Gom told me a story that um, when they were in Brinsley Schwartz together, um, uh, 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 yeah, Jake, Jake told them, Jake and Dave told them, you guys have to start writing together. You know, you got to start coming out with some tunes. We need some songs. So um, Ian said he went up to Nick and he said, "Hey, Nick, you want to write some songs tonight?" And Nick said, "No, fuck off." <laughs> anyway, he said, I came back a year later. <laughs> a year later. I said, Nick, you want to write some songs? And he said, Okay, let's write some songs. He says they sat down on one night and they banged out six tunes. Yeah. And uh, so Nick says to him, uh, Ian says to him, What's it? Lennon, McCartney, McCartney, Lennon. How are we going to pull this off? So Nick says, You know what? You're a real pain in the ass. You pick three songs and I'll pick three songs. <laughs> they each picked these songs and Nick walked away with what's so funny about peace, love and understanding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably made him a millionaire as a result. Well, he made a million on that one movie he was in. Yeah. The bodyguard. Yeah. 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 And Ian said, Ian said, I, I don't hold any animosities. I don't have many, you know, I don't feel bad about it, but they wrote cruel to be kind together. Yeah. And they got credit for that. And uh, Ian said, I went to see Nick, you know, two, three years ago, and I went into the, into the, you know, into the dressing room with my wife, and Nick says to him, I don't know what the hell I gave you writing credit for that for anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, Ian says to him, because I was making the tea. I made the tea that night. <laughs> it was like, he, said, he said Nick was such a miserable guy to deal with, you know, and I, Nick Lowe was my idol. I love Nick, and I, I you know, it kind of hurt me. Then <laughs> here he is hurting my buddy Ian Gum. You know, yeah. And um, wow, just amazing. But can you imagine splitting that up and not getting cruel? Oh, you know, yeah. What's so what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? So yeah, yeah great, great song, great song. But yeah. Nick Lowe, yeah. obviously, as, as time's gone on, he's he's developed this new sort of style. He's almost like a, a crooner. It's almost like a crooner, isn't it? Yeah. He's almost like a Nat King Cole. You it's know, incredible. when you when you hear him now, incredible. Yeah. He's incredible. Just, I mean, I, you know, just the stuff he did with, you know, bands like Dr. Feelgood, you know, yeah. uh, you know, milk and alcohol and, and, and you know, amazing. yeah, just amazing how far back this guy goes. And, um, you know, I tell you, I, I, he was like, that was the first tall bus I was on. It was Nick and uh, Dave's bus, Rockpile, with uh, Terry Williams and a Billy, Billy Bremner was in the band. Billy Bremner, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was my 18th birthday and, um, you know, we just kind of sat in the back of that bus just having a big party and it was just great. You know, these guys were down to earth rock and rollers. That's what they lived for. And then I saw them a couple of weeks later with um, Keith Richards popped out to play with them at the bottom line in New York. Or it was a rock yeah. and roll show. And I knew the next, next name, man, how the hell are we going to, he said, how are we going to, uh, you know, top this now? <laughs> you know, it was like, boom. You know, Keith came and went, and um, just amazing. Those days of music are over, though, huh? 
Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the sad yeah. thing is that, particularly in the late 70s, Stiff were one of the bands that revived the, the package tour. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in the 60s, there would be these package tours that would go up and down the, 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 the country and there'd be maybe five or six bands yeah. and they'd all get 20 minutes each and the headliner yeah. maybe get half an hour and sometimes they'd swap the headline around depending on who was doing best in the charts at that particular time. Yeah. And that died, but Stiff tried to resurrect that with the with the stiff package tours. Yeah. Um, and I think the first one they did via coach, I seem to think one of them they did on the train where they were going, so you can only get a gig if you, you had a, a railway station. You didn't have a railway station. <laughs> I, 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 saw, I saw that tour. It was um, Reckless Eric, uh, Lena Lovitch. Yeah. Um, Ian, was, Ian was on that tour. Um, Mickey Jupe. Barney Wallace. Yeah. Um, um, no, no, no. Mickey, Mickey Jupe dropped out. He didn't want to fly. Yeah, afraid of planes, but um, oh man, what's his name? I spoke to him. Oh, Jonah Louis. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jonah Louis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Jonah Louis. I, I think still got too. the badges from that tour. Yeah. So, so, and and I'm drinking for reckless Eric, and you know I'm thinking yeah, yeah. for. I, I, I have. Yeah. I actually have the poster from the bottom line. My daughter took it. She took it from me, but it was the uh, train with the uh, air with the wings with the plane wings. Yeah. Yeah, the B Stiff tour. Well, let's tell everybody where they can find it. Where can you buy a copy of this CD? Uh, well, in the States, you'll be able to buy it from Amazon. all your local record shop, shops, Amazon. Um, don't know what, what you're major. Do you still have Tower Records in the States? No. I, I know there's Tower Records in Tokyo you can buy it from. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all, your, all your main places, Amazon, what have you, online, all your online places you can buy it from. In the UK, Major records store is HMV. You can buy it from there. Um, you can buy it online from Amazon. You guys don't have a Rub, website, Rub though? Direct from you guys? Yeah, you can buy it direct from us. Um, although, if you're in the States, you're better off ordering it from Amazon because the shipping cost from UK to the States is ridiculous at the minute. Yeah. As I discovered today when I sent two to the States. Yeah, and they I'll, were, and I'll they were very that. expensive. Dave, how do I spell your last name? Because I've been autographing them and selling them for three times the price. <laughs> <laughs> it's B U R B A G E. Oh, I know. I got, it's right in front of me. I'm not that. I, I, <laughs> yeah. but, but I'm just saying. It's like, you know, I, I've been dealing with a lot of guys. Everybody, you, everybody has to find a new way to market now. And um, you know, a lot of merchandise. A lot of it's done through merchandise now. You have something to fall yeah. back on. But a lot of the new bands out there have nothing other than merchandise. Yeah, well, I, I found from um, because I put, I put I do a little bit of promoting around here as well, huh. and we'd find that bands on the night would be happy to come and play, and you didn't have to guarantee them a great deal of money, yeah. because they knew that if you had a reasonable audience in, so long as they'd got their merchandise with them, so long as they'd got t-shirts and badges. They could they could earn a lot of money and they were they were it was financing them so rather than being relying on a split of the door or a guarantee they'd know that if you got enough people in they would sell a decent amount of t-shirts they'd sell the records to sell the CDs yeah. so they were all very much geared up for that um, obviously the live the live scene has just died a death in the last twelve months in the UK yeah. so fans have got to find different ways of doing it so they package things together so you can buy an album with a t-shirt or you can buy an album with a t-shirt and get a couple of badges thrown in or you can get a colour photograph of the band or you know things like that so you've got to be more creative I think yeah also um, 
you know, Ozfest started all that stuff. Yeah. You know, all those festivals. Um, back in the States, the Allman Brothers and Government Mule, you know, those, uh, um, those big uh, um, jam band things, you would be able to see the show. And if you stayed uh, 20 minutes after the show, you could actually buy a CD of the show. Yeah. You just saw, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, on demand. You know, they had somebody mixing it live, and uh, you know, boom, you walked away with it at the end of the night, um, which is brilliant. It really is. You know, I think the Dead started that. All, you know, all those all those jam bands had that going on yeah. for a time. But again, nobody's you know nobody could tour anymore, so that's out the window. I think that's the thing I said is what music venues will will be some that won't survive this, I'm sure. Um, oh, certainly yeah. in our local area, I can think of two or three venues that I suspect will not will not reopen at the end of this. Sure. <laughs> Definitely. Um, we had we had the super thing, thing as well. You know, yeah. I, I think the ticket prices for a lot of gigs are ridiculous in any case. Yeah. You know, and and but it's one of the things that has been a bit of a, a a bee in my bonnet for a, a long time is that some of the arenas, particularly in the UK, charge absolutely ridiculous prices for tickets. And what happens then is that if people have a budget for going for going out, they blow two months' budget on going to one show, which means that they can't go to anything else. So the 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 theatre is then not enough people go to the theatre, not enough people go to the cinema, not enough people go to the ice skating rink, and not enough people go and see the small li- little bands playing in the small venues because yeah. they've blown their budget on going to see whoever. Well, yeah, the Rolling Stones for $7,000 a ticket. Well, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And unfortunately, while people will still pay it, they'll carry on doing it because yeah. it's like, they just push it as far and as far as they can go until well, they reach think, that ceiling. Well, I think they hit. The, I think they hit the wall. People don't yeah. have money for it anymore. Uh, first of all, you can't go out, but when you yeah. can go out, people are so um, uh, economically distraught now that they're not. Yeah. They're not going to be able to do anything. That, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been I've been to thousands of gigs, and I've been to big stadium gigs. I've been to arena gigs, and I've been to lots and lots of small gigs, and and. I enjoy them all in different ways, but some of the best gigs I've ever been to were being in relatively small, small venues. Sure. You know that the connection with other people and the, you know, the feeling yeah. the air move and you know being able to see the bands the white of their eyes. It's, Look, you know, it you, counts for a lot, and, and it and it runs in, um, um, you know, it kind of runs in in waves. Back in um, nineteen, I guess late seventies, when I was running nightclubs, uh, I would pay a band like Rockpile. Um, five thousand dollars to do uh, two shows. Yeah, an early late show. Um, MTV hit, and now Rockpile wanted twenty thousand because they had a MTV hit. We couldn't afford it. We had an eight hundred seat, you know, yeah. nightclub that um, just you know you just could, you just couldn't stand that money. So. We lost a lot of clubs during that phase. Then, um, yeah. just re- then recently, I mean, uh, what was the next phase that came through that, that killed everything? Um, just just the ticket pricing. You know, you, you can't have a you couldn't have had a small venue, and then you did have a small venue and you made it bigger, but these bands didn't warrant it. Nobody went out to see them anymore. Yeah. So they started charging more just to cover. You know, it, it became. Well, I'll go back even. Woodstock. 
you know, Woodstock, you had clubs like the Fillmore East and everything. A, a band would come yeah. in and do two shows a night. And um, Woodstock popped up and the movie came out. And uh, these bands all said and said, you know what? I don't have to play the Fillmore anymore. I could play Madison Square Garden in one night and make mm. this kind of money. So you had that wave. It just seems that music always gets the crap end of the stick, you know, when it comes to, you know, just building upon it and building upon it. And I think this COVID thing is going to be like maybe the last nail in the coffin. I don't know where it's going to go from here. Well, I, I hope not, but I think you might be right. And uh, I think there's a guy we all know who's um, ran a, a – uh, an outfit in Hull called the Gig Shop, and he was the sort of the go-to guy. You went if you wanted to hire a PA or any yeah. equipment, and really well-known guy. Played in bands over the years, and he made a really good uh, point the other week. And he said, at the minute, there are a thousand bands and only a hundred gigs, and I fear that there'll be a thousand bands and only fifty gigs, and maybe even less. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you lose the smaller venue? like Wembley are just about over. Well, who's going to fill Wembley at this point, you know? Who, who do you have that's going to fill a place like Wembley? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen anymore. It's just uh, the way things are going. So, guys, um, we still have another three hours to fill. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, you're going to have to talk a little more. I'm sorry. It's your turn. No, I'm just kidding. Elliot's not your mother. He's not mine either. I wouldn't mind it, though. Remember that this radio show is listener-funded. If you wish to contribute, our PayPal info is notyourmothersradio at gmail.com. That's notyourmothersradio at gmail.com. We would like to thank you in advance for any contributions. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. A participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours.
Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.